Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 2020. We're back. Happy Christmas. Yeah, 2020. Still Christmas. Now, here's the question, though. Feast of the Baptist. Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. Is that still Christmas? Mm-hmm. I guess it does go to Candlemas, huh? Uh, no. So. Maybe that's the old thing. <clears throat> yeah, I think there's probably an easy answer to this that we could probably just Google, <laughs> but why do that if we can speculate? <laughs> um, <laughs> Love the speculation. I think, I think actually this Sunday is the first Sunday of ordinary time. Uh huh. Yeah. So I think the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord is the first Sunday of ordinary time. Uh, and it's the end of the Christmas season, you know, for, so yeah, so this whole week that we're, as we're recording, the week of Epiphany is still Christmas season. Right. And then. So it's not Epiphany that ends Christmas. No, it's the baptism. Yeah. So in that you're right. I think the old calendar had Candlemas, uh, February the 2nd. Presentation. Uh, yeah, yeah. Your birthday. That's my birthday. (laughs) I didn't actually know that until like a year ago. (laughs) <laughs> that your birthday was on February second? <laughs> no, I knew that. No, it wasn't a year ago. I think I was a Jesuit though when I when I realized that that was the feast of the presentation. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, well, good. So yeah. So as you said, this Sunday we have the baptism of the Lord. We skipped last week, so we didn't really get to talk at all about Christmas or uh, Epiphany or any of that. But how did it, did you get to preach a lot in the last week and a half? Uh, I did actually. I preached here. Uh, I'm visiting my family in Texas. And I went back to my home parish and mm-hmm. got to preach. Um, it was a little bit impromptu. I wasn't quite expecting to just take one of the masses. I guess I should have offered that. <laughs> mm. Um, mm. And perhaps I will in the future. But Was this the Mass for the Epiphany? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was on, uh, uh, what's that day? Yesterday? Yesterday, yeah. <laughs> as we record. Um, well, so today as we're recording is, is January the 6th, and I am in Spain. And in Spain, Epiphany is on January the 6th. Oh. Like, there's no, there's no transferring of the feast. That's nice. Well, happy feast. So, yes, thank you. So, yesterday was the second Sunday of Christmas. Um, yeah. And so today we had the kings. We actually had a big party with three men who dressed up as kings. <laughs> oh, that's weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a, bi- it's a big thing here. It's a big thing in Spain. Um, well, really quick, before we get into the baptism stuff, I'm curious, since we didn't talk about the Epiphany, I'm cur- what did you preach on for the Epiphany? Because I have, I-, I wonder what I would have preached on, because yeah. I get confused about what the feast is about. Yeah, and that, that's kind of what I was talking about. You know, it's not, you know, when we think of Epiphany, it's like the aha moment. Um, the word literally means to, like, t- to, to, to pull back the veil, so like to reveal mm. what is unseen. Um, mm-hmm. I, the way I went at it was looking at what what did these wise men do? So they 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 followed the star. So their journey was a big part of it, and then they got there. They rejoiced and they worshipped. They fell down on mm-hmm. the floor and did him homage. Um, and then they were changed. They didn't go back the same way. Yeah. So I kind of preached on the the epiphany is not so much like like learning something. It's that encounter with the Lord that changes you. Mm. Um I like and that. that's not like something that. that you can predict or plan for. Like it's it has to be mm-hmm. that that authentic um it's still an action like they had to go there and to do that. So you're not just t- completely passive. That's not what I mean by that. Um, mm-hmm. 
but that you have to, yeah, you have to be open and be receptive. And I think it's, it's for that hope, you know, and a lot of the readings and I think a lot of the commentators talk a lot about how the Magi represent, um, the Gentiles, like the rest of the world. Christ is coming for sure, sure. everybody, not just, um, not just the, the Jews. And so I brought in that and just kind of talked about, well, you know, it's like, yeah, we, we know that it's for the gen- Jew and Gentile, etc. But like the thing, especially in these days, we're, we're so concerned with like everybody being perfect. <laughs> and anytime you're, you're broken or you fall or you sin, then you're cast aside and cast out. Um, and I think just like, yeah, this, the epiphany of that is re- leaving room for that hope, kind of this theme that I've been, mm. been on for a yeah. couple of weeks. That even those yeah. sinners, and even the foreigners, even the people that you never think of, Christ is there for them, for us. Yeah, yeah. And there's an encounter with Christ yeah. that changes their yeah. life. I like that. Uh, one of the things that I didn't get to preach today for the Epiphany, but I was I was thinking about the readings uh, for Mass, and I was struck by how after their encounter, it's so like that encounter that you're talking about, after that encounter with Christ, I was really struck by the last line that they... They had, you know, uh, sort of an epiphany moment with uh, God telling them to go by a different route. Um, And I was just struck by that because it's like the lesson there, if you boil it down, is like they had that big moment epiphany of God's revelation to them and they were converted. But then there was a subsequent conversion because they were still attuned to God's voice in their life. So like there's sort of this ongoing process of conversion and not just the instantaneous moment of now their life has changed, yeah. but they have to keep tuning their ears to, to listen to yeah. God's word. Well, know? it's also fascinating um, that they started their journey for the wrong reasons. <laughs> Herod hmm. sent them to spy so that you could kill yeah. the Christ child. Right, right, right. Wow. Hmm. I like that. So I think one of the reasons I wanted to get your take on Epiphany is because I think one of the things that I'm confused on is, and it relates to the baptism, is that I think traditionally, I don't know, I stand to be corrected here, but traditionally, or at least in the East, I'm not really sure, like the Epiphany could also be celebrated as not just the Magi, but also the baptism yeah, of the Lord, yeah. and also the wedding at Cana. Yeah, I think that's um, right. And I was thinking about that, uh, I'm seven hours ahead of you, so I had already, I've already prayed evening prayer tonight, and like the antiphon for the Magnificat summarizes that it summarizes how on this day i think the language is very explicit like on this day you know the magi venerated the child on this day uh-huh. the you know the water was changed into wine mm. and on this day our christ was revealed in the waters of the jordan um so i don't know i was just kind of struck by that how god's revelation is sort of you know in this threefold way this yeah. triptych of god's epiphany um and it made me think of a good way of dovetailing to this sunday with the baptism of how like we, I don't. Maybe we shouldn't just have like a break in, uh, like oh, we're now back in ordinary time. So forget everything we just right. did. You know, um, how is the baptism of the Lord a continuation of the Epiphany? Maybe that's my question for yeah, you. Yeah. Well, I think I think the reading from Acts kind of answers that, or at least talks about it. Like once we've had that life changing event, what do we do? <laughs> and Peter is is um. Like going to this man Cornelius, who was, I believe, one of the first Gentiles to be baptized. Is that right? Am I making mm. that up? 
at any rate, uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, sure, I don't know. <laughs> uh, like, that's what we do next. Like, that's the next step. The Lord has been revealed, and it calls us to something. And that baptism mm. is the beginning of that. Is that is mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. that change that happens? And I, right. I was actually thinking right. about this uh, as I was preparing my homily for for the Epiphany. Um, you know, none of the apostles were well. Some of them were, I guess, baptized by John. Jesus didn't do any baptisms, did he? He sent the apostles to baptize. He sent them to baptize, right? But what I'm getting at is, were the were the apostles baptized in the way that he sent them to be baptized? Yeah, I don't know, and I, I and I wonder if they need needed to be because they they spoke, they walked, they they he taught them explicitly, personally, and I wonder if that right, right. is in a sense a baptism. Because I like to think of yeah. like when Peter in the Gospel of John when he jumps into the river after looking at the after after hearing Jesus call to him, I like to think of that as a baptism of sorts um, with the water and, and all that. But mm-hmm. is it? I mm-hmm. mean, but that's kind of like a metaphor, kind of a thing. Sure, sure. Yeah, and also think about how like I mean we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but like you know at Easter time when Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit on them, right? Uh, and then, then they also receive the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Right, so right, there's right. a double giving out of the Spirit. There is, yeah. Um, I mean, I think I think that your point is well taken, though. If we take the kernel of it, is that the baptism, like the experience of God's revelation to the Magi, and like that moment of encounter and experience of conversion, um, is then sort of there's a ceremonial, sacramental experience that takes that conversion and you know ha- has it be something that's transformative in a sacramental way. Um, which I think is maybe symbolized there in, in Christ's baptism. Um, but maybe like another angle too is like, so Christ's epiphany, I don't know, like the three of the actions together. So like the Christ child being revealed to the Gentiles um, in the incarnation, uh, God's glory in the incarnation, and then in the baptism, and then in the miracle working. Yeah. Like it's all about who right. is Jesus. Right. It's that, it kind of goes back to this. Op- revealing the tearing back of the veil. And it's all centered on that question that I like to go back to is who is Jesus? Who yeah. is this Christ? And, you know, he's the king. He's the king, which is what a, the Feast of the Epiphany teaches us, I think, with the Magi is that they venerate him as a king, right. you know, and like, right. um, and then he's a king, but he's also ultimately, which is what the, I think, lesson for the baptism of the Lord this Sunday, I think the main, the main line, which I think we should take from the gospel is that this is the, this is my son, right? This is the yeah. son of God. Yeah. Um, you know, do we, ha- yeah, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So he's the king, but he's also my beloved son. Um, you know, and then we also see him as the miracle worker, mm-hmm. right? At the wedding of Cana. So he's the bridegroom. So he's the bridegroom, right? He's the son of God and he's the king. So all these different images of who Jesus is. And ultimately, Jesus is the face of the invisible God. So he's the epiphany. He is the revelation. Oh, he yeah. is, you know, the pulling back of the curtain. Um, yeah, yeah. One of the things that I kind of jumping backwards a little bit. One of the things that I noticed in my prayer for the readings for the Epiphany was the the prophecy from Isaiah speaks of um, gold and frankincense being offered as the kingly gift, and then right. when we get to the Magi, there are three gifts, and the myrrh is the uh, perf- is the perfumed oil that you put on bodies after after as they're being prepared for burial. 
Mm. Uh, so it's kind of not just showing that this king is also the, you know, the sweet smelling smoke that's raced up to heaven. Um, but also in a sense foreshadowing who he truly is. The death. The sacrifice. Yeah. yeah the lamb that was slain. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, yeah. And I think there's, there's a lot to be done with the baptism of Christ also, uh, connecting the death, uh, that you're saying. So like, who is this Christ? Well, the death of Christ reveal something of the love of the father, right? That epiphany, the revelation. Right. I think one of the things that's great is that like, I think it's in, I'm not sure which of the synoptic gospels, but I think it might be Mark that Mark, we don't have Mark this week for the baptism, but with Mark's account of the baptism, that line, this is my beloved son. Um, you see it again, right at the transfiguration. Yeah. Um, but then you also see it at the crucifixion. So you see it at the crucifixion in the mouth of the centurion. Right. This was the son of God, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and there's, there's also another giving of the spirit at the crucifixion. I can't remember mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. theologian was writing about this, but I remember reading it when I was in studies that when he breathed his last, that was in a mm. sense a, a giving of the spirit, you know, as, as Jesus breathed yeah. on them. Uh, so anyway, that's kind yeah. of another, yeah, another no, like moment that. where. Uh, where that where that comes up sure you know i think if i were to step back and just kind of summarize where i think i would start to approach a homily for the baptism i think i would want to start with what is the epiphany again like yeah like what is that might be a good way of beginning this feast instead of having a clear like separation of christmas is over like let's get back to work let's just talk about the baptism because i think there's a good angle with like the beginning of his public ministry but the fundamental i think Christological question of who is this Christ mm-hmm. as tied to the Christmas mystery, as tied to the feast of the epiphany continues this theme of, you know, this is God's revelation to humanity. Absolutely. You know? And I think, um, I think you're right. And I, I totally agree of going back to the epiphany for this, for this particular feast, because again, that, uh, what's the line? Then the heavens were open for him. Like that's yeah. again that that revealing that revelation, uh, mm-hmm, and and that mm-hmm. happens when we come together for mass. So like this is something that this epiphany is an ongoing thing that is hugely important for our daily life <laughs> as Christians, because Jesus right, is is right. coming to us every single day. Um, yes. So I'm glad you said that because the the maybe another angle that might help as another detail to turn to the moral sense or like the implication for a preaching for a homily that I might give, I was struck in the gospel, like, okay, Jesus is the revelation of God and God is revealing his son to us. And, you know, this is an opportunity invitation uh, for God to do something new in our life and in our world. I was struck by the fact that John tried to prevent him. So like uh, that line, John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you. It's like, okay, that's a nice thing to say. But that's a very strong statement from Matthew. John tried to prevent him. And how often, maybe this is just sort of the moral aspect of this sermon, would be how often do I try to prevent God's working in mm. the lives of others? Yeah. Uh, or in my, in own, my life. own life. If God is, yeah, you know, if God is trying to reveal himself through many different people or in my life, in my studies, in my prayer, in whatever, how do I prevent him? Yeah. Because God is constantly trying to reveal pull back the veil um yeah to show his goodness to me in the world and in life 
yet I might try to prevent him often. I don't know. Maybe just a good question there for f- reflection. You know? No, I think it is a really good question. And I wonder if our first reading from Isaiah has something to, to say to that specific thing. Because I was wondering, like, what this all means. Upon whom I've put my spirit, he shall bring forth justice to the nations, not crying out, not shouting, not making his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he shall not mm-hmm. break, a smoldering wick shall, you know, all of this stuff about not being, um, not speaking up, not bucking the system, not doing all, all of the things that we think in our, you know, in our own sensibilities that, well, we need to do. Mm-hmm. We need to make mm-hmm. people uncomfortable so that they'll come to believe. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if those things could be seen as us trying to prevent the Lord from truly working in our own lives and our own hearts, because then it becomes more about what I'm doing. So, uh, elaborate on that for me a little bit. So you're saying like, uh, my chosen one with whom I am pleased upon whom I put my spirit, he shall bring forth just nations, not crying out, not shouting, not making his voice heard in the street. So one of the, so you're saying, just so I understand, I can be preventing the Lord by maybe drawing attention to myself in the street, you know, like when I when I evangelize, when I preach, is it about me? Yeah, um, it becomes more about, or can come more about, uh, you know, an agenda, or you know, I want to just yeah. focus on this one thing because I think it's the most important. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Do you know uh, what is a bruised reed? What does that mean? <laughs> uh, a, what does it mean to have a reed that's bruised? I don't know. Does it mean like? Like one so of those reeds. What that I take to mean by that is come out of the water. So yeah, I'm thinking like a reed that comes out of the water, but when it's bruised, is it, so that means like it's a wounded. It's, or is it it's somewhat like trampled an instrument? No, no, no. I think it's it's from the water, but like <laughs> when it says bruised, so so like something that's been weakened, he will not break. Yeah. So he doesn't. He's a he's gentle. Sure, I guess is what it's sure. saying, right? He's um. No, that's good. That's good. But yeah, maybe there's there's something there about how are those aspects, those qualities indicative of how we might be preventing yeah. the Lord from working, yeah. you know, drawing attention to ourselves. I um, also like this line about the smoldering wick he shall he he shall not quench. And I can't mm-hmm. help but think of that line from um from the great divorce where they're they're looking on at this one particular ghost and like the 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 shining spirit that he's talking to calls forth a herd of uh, a stampede of unicorns that just scares mm. everybody <laughs> and then the chapter kind of just ends and then later on uh the narrator's guide starts to talk to him about that and he says you know back then when that happened it wasn't so much about scaring the scaring the person it was trying to get him to stop thinking about himself for just a moment for mm. just that brief moment where where your focus can then move on to God. And that's sometimes all yeah. it takes is that small spark. A smoldering wick yeah. can then be mm. be nourished back into a giant flame, a transformative flame. Oh, I like that. I like that. And again, I can't help but think that yeah. that's somehow related to what baptism is in our lives. Like that's mm. that's where that happens, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good, especially since like the baptism of Christ points to God the Father. Like it's the Spirit right, of God descends. Right. The Father's voice says, So it's not about it's not about me, right? Like, you know, 
my, my life, my whole life, my own salvation points to the Lord. Everything points back to God. My baptism, everything points to him. Like the, the sort of like the vanity, the vainglory of trying to seek my own approval or seek my own, you know, and it's, it happens, sadly, it happens in the church in, with good intentions. Like we do things thinking that it's helpful, but right. just drawing attention to right. ourselves. Like this is why I think that your point about like even making our voice heard in the street, we could be evangelizing, mm-hmm. but are we evangelizing or are we, <laughs> who, who are we evangelizing? <laughs> yeah. Are we, you know, um, good. Any, uh, closing thoughts for the baptism? Um, no. All right. No. Good. <laughs> cool man well um happy new year no that's it i i would I, I would just summarize and say for me i think starting with the epiphany would be good and then also emphasizing that moral turn yeah. to like how do i prevent god's revelation mm, i think that'll yeah. be a good at least a good starting point for my continued prayer this week about what i might preach absolutely on. all right dude all right see you later